Welcome to this APTA podcast. I'm Michelle Vanderhoff. In this episode, we will be discussing population health, what it is, current developments, and the role physical therapists and physical therapist assistants can play in addressing it. This topic is especially timely. This week is National Public Health Week, and April 7th is World Health Day. April also is both Stress Awareness Month and National Minority Health Month. As a side note, APTA recently updated a consumer resource for Minority Health Month at ChoosePT.com. In February, APTA launched a public service announcement for its physical activity campaign to raise awareness about physical therapists' unique value as movement experts and about the benefits of regular physical activity. For more information about the campaign and to view the PSA, listeners can go to ChoosePT.com slash physical activity. Now I'd like to welcome today's guests. Today we are joined by APTA members Don Magnuson, PT, PhD, and Anne Mejia Downs, PT, PhD, MPH, and by APTA staff member Hadia Green Guerrero, PT, DPT. Don Magnuson is assistant professor in the physical therapy program at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus, where she oversees the delivery of content related to population health disease prevention and health promotion. She also is a member of APTA's Health Promotion and Wellness Council. Dawn has a PhD in Population Health Sciences, a certificate in Global Health, and completed a two-year postdoctoral fellowship in general academic pediatrics with a focus on health disparities research. Dawn's research focuses on health outcomes within a population and how multiple interconnected determinants of health contribute to these outcomes with the end goal of informing the development of innovative community-based solutions that advance health equity for traditionally underserved children. Anne Mejia Downs is Associate Professor in the Blended Doctor of Physical Therapy Program at College of St. Mary in Omaha, Nebraska. In addition to her physical therapy degree, she has an MPH in health behavior and a PhD in health promotion and wellness. At College of St. Mary, Anne is responsible for teaching and coordinating content related to social determinants of health and other psychosocial aspects of physical therapy. Her areas of scholarship include population health and health promotion, psychological resilience, service learning, and cardiovascular and pulmonary conditions. She practices in a pro bono community clinic where she supervises physical therapy students. Hadia Green Guerrero is Senior Practice Specialist at APTA and a Board Certified Clinical Specialist in Sports Physical Therapy. She also represents APTA on the Physical Activity Alliance Board of Directors. Thank you all for being here. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. <laughs> all right, uh, so I'd like to start off with a more basic question for those who may be unfamiliar with this topic. What exactly is population health? And is it the same as health promotion and wellness? Is it more than that? And might people be performing population health and not even knowing it? Uh, thank you, Michelle. And thanks for having us talking about this really important topic uh, during Public Health Week. So very timely, as you mentioned. Um, and I, I love this question because I think there is a lot of confusion about the distinction between population health and especially health promotion. And, you know, folks tend to equate population health with various health promotion and wellness in initiatives, um, but there are some really key fundamental differences. And to your point, I really view population health as kind of a broader sort of umbrella 
umbrella term that encompasses um, health promotion. So I wanna just talk a little bit about what I mean. Um, according to Paul Brashnick, uh, when we take a population health approach, it really means taking responsibility for managing the overall health of some defined population. Um, and so again, really looking beyond just that individual to some defined population. And at the end of the day, really being accountable for the health outcomes of that population. And so in order to do this, we really need to understand the health of our population of interest. And that could be a clinical population, uh, maybe folks, clients who are uh, receiving services in your clinic, or maybe it's a broader population like a neighborhood or a town or something like that. Um, and so again, uh, we, we need to not only understand the health of that population, but really understand those factors that contribute to the health of that population and existing health disparities. We can then use that information to inform action. So it might be interventions, uh, policies, practices that at the end of the day, improve the health of that population and reduce known disparities. I think that's the part that's often left off when we think about population health. Um, and perhaps one of those interventions includes a health promotion initiative or a set of initiatives. Um, health promotion as defined by the Ottawa Charter really involves empowering people and communities to kind of cultivate their own health and well-being. And as I mentioned earlier, I tend to view it as kind of falling under that broader umbrella, the broader approach of population health. Thank you, Don. That was very helpful distinction. Um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, PTs have been playing uh, different roles than they have traditionally, uh, assisting with screening and testing, um, delivering vaccinations, et cetera. Um, is this part of population health? Sure. Um, I, because we're in a pandemic, you might think that anything that you do to contribute to the management of COVID-19 would be population health. Um, however, there are lo lots of different levels that physical therapists can uh, take action to help with this. So for example, if you're treating an individual patient, that's still at the individual level, patient care. However, if you're doing something to look at the disparities of uh, the COVID-19, which populations it has affected more, uh, and you put your efforts toward working toward vaccinating um, minoritized populations or trying to um, get access to, uh, to vaccines or to um, PPE equipment, for instance, for, um, for people that, that need it but that don't have access to it, that would be more in the population health realm. So looking at what, where the disparities are and where you can intervene to try to um, take action toward uh, reducing those disparities. Thank you. Um, uh, so what are some other examples of things PTs or PTAs are doing in the population health space right now? So I'd say one of the uh, first things are uh, community-based programs. So many PTs are leaving the, the students are leaving the classrooms, the PTs are leaving their clinics, and they're getting out into their communities to really see what they can do to impact the health of those populations. Uh, for example, at my previous institution, the University of Indianapolis, in the neighborhood was a government subsidized housing development. And so the physical therapy students every year 
would do a, an assessment of this of the residents and ask what they perceived as their health needs. So it wasn't what we thought they needed, but what did they say they needed? And then from that developed a health fair that was focused very much on that population and really trying to impact some of the disparities that they were experiencing um, as part of this, the community of Indianapolis. And there's so, there, so there are so many actions that came out of that um, needs assessment uh, for that group. But that I think that's a good example of um, stepping out of the classroom and really looking around you in your community to try to make an impact. Thank you. Uh, Dawn, what about you? Yeah, I would add, you know, I've seen um, an increasing number of physical therapists uh, who have either managerial roles or administrator roles who are really taking population health approaches. And so within uh, their healthcare organizations, and I think of some of the big ones, you know, Kaiser Permanente, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, some of those, we do, um, again, have an increasing number of therapists who are really taking on this role of kind of population health specialists. So again, looking at the health of their clinical populations to identify some of those differences, some of those disparities, and really understanding how can we best utilize our resources and be uh, as efficient as we can with our resources while also promoting the health of our clinical populations. And so again, really seeing an increasing number of folks kind of again, moving beyond um, their role as clinicians to really take it to that next level to really inform kind of these population health um, initiatives and things of that nature. And then I would also, um, as a researcher, I, I would feel remiss if I didn't, you know, mention researchers. So many more researchers we see uh, who are really taking a population health approach to understand, again, uh, those uh, folks who may be at, at higher risk uh, for various PT-related health outcomes. And again, using that information uh, to really inform and be efficient with our, our resources and interventions. So those are just a couple of additional examples maybe where, where PTs and PTAs are taking this population health approach. Yeah, and I'd add to Annie and Dawn's examples that uh, the research run that I'll start in reverse was really important. I agree with Don. And one example um, I tout um, was would be that's currently going on is Mike Eisenhart's PT study, um, where they're actually looking at physical therapists and using the smartwatches, really collecting all of the biometrics that tell you how a person is doing and actually compares the person to themselves, but you also, as their own baseline, but you also have a look using these heat maps of how well people are doing to see what they look like going throughout their day, but also as a population, you can compare them to themselves and how they're doing. And in the midst of the pandemic, you're able to even look at the biometrics and see if, where people are getting sick, right? Their biometrics may be changing before they actually feel like there's any morbidity or anything going on in their lives and where we as PTs can lead, lead a team into coaching and reaching out to, these, to the individuals as part of these population health focused effort. Um, another um, example would be workforce. So I think APTA has worked with members over several years, Don, 
being one of them on what it looks like for physical therapists to work in the space of employer health. So an example would be where the employer has self-funded insurance and they can actually provide the care for their individual employees. So as a therapist, you can come in and look at the entire workforce of that employer and look at the trends of morbidity, physical activity, what um, vital signs, whatever it is that you choose um, to look at that you think would be meaningful in keeping this population, in this case, a workforce population healthy. Um, and to add to those uh, to those activities, um, uh, physical therapists, I think, are are uh, using their resources in a in a smart way by partnering with organizations that are like minded that have the same you know kind of mission and vision that physical therapists do. So, um, for an example, working with a neighborhood organization or a bicycle promoting association to map out the walkability and bikeability of a community um, and then to advocate along with that um, partner, that, uh, that organization to the city council or to, um, to other you know, legislators to advocate for more sidewalks or for bicycle connectors um, so to promote active transportation. And now for a quick break. April's Financial Literacy Month. And APTA is committed to supporting the physical therapy community with tools to make strong financial management decisions and to manage student debt. APTA members have access to financial education resources and student loan refinancing information. Visit APTA.org slash financial solutions to learn more. And now let's return to the show. And on the theme of, of partnership that you mentioned, um, it came to mind, how does inter professional collaborative practice fit into uh, this whole realm? So when we think about population health, it really um, speaks to the importance of interprofessional collaborations. And so again, the focus isn't so much what do PTs uh, provide in kind of their little silo? What do nurses provide in their little silo? It's not about the services we provide. It's really the focus shifts now to the health of the population. And so by looking at what is the health of the population? What are differences and disparities? How can we be more efficient with our healthcare resources? Really helps us identify who, what services, what healthcare professionals are really most appropriate to be interacting, to be serving uh, these clients. And so again, when we take that population health approach, it really helps us understand, okay, who are the healthcare professionals that really need to be seeing this particular client or this group of client? And I think a really good example of this is um, uh, a recent um, initiative that was uh, completed in the hospital setting. And so again, here we have a population of uh, individuals who are staying in the hospital in some acute phase of illness, older adults, uh, who may be at, at high risk for falls. Um, and so you could potentially have a therapist, a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant go in and see all of those patients, do an, an examination and, and the whole thing. Uh, but when you take a population health approach, you can actually look at, at that group and say, well, who's at highest risk for a fall or maybe later hospital readmission or something like that? Let's kind of divert our physical therapist, the high skills of a physical therapist to that population 
and let's you know kind of look at who's best to support uh, maybe clients who are at a very low fall risk. And so I think that's just an example, you know, where again by by taking that population health approach, we're really identifying okay who within this interprofessional team is really best suited to address the needs of of that group or that individual. Yeah, and to add on to, to Don's great example, um, physical therapists have a different perspective, and I, I think we need to appreciate that. So when we come to a group of individuals working on falls, maybe we're going to notice things in the environment that, um, you know, that could contribute to falls or um, you know, safety is another thing that physical therapists have an eye for that I don't think a lot of people see different causes or problems with safety. So really the physical therapy, bringing the physical therapy perspective to a group of individuals, you know, interprofessionals, um, really it's, it's amazing how the perspective of a physical therapist kind of comes out in, in many different ways that I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't even imagine. There are many physical therapists that don't think that you know, they're really going to add something to a group. Why should I go to the town council when they really do have a perspective that's needed? Interesting. Uh, I guess on that, that uh, topic, the, do you think community advocacy plays a role in population health? Advocacy is inextricably linked with population health um, because we use data uh, to explore different um, disparities. And when we find something, we need to really take action toward it. Sometimes that action is something physical that you can do or a, a group that you can convene. And sometimes it's really looking at the policies that control much of the, the way that our communities um, you know, uh, act. And so we have to really look at policies and things that really underlie why people are doing what they're doing. And sometimes it's as, um, I shouldn't say simple, advocacy is not simple, but sometimes it's as uh, straightforward as identifying that there's a, um, a, a policy that needs to be changed to impact the population. I really love what Annie is saying about the importance of advocacy. And I think that it's one of those areas that physical therapists may or may not struggle with how to really apply and implement advocacy efforts. And I, I think it's great that she mentioned health disparities because I think that's one of the things that's high on people's minds at this time. And often, I think even as an association, we have advocated, right? That's one of our number one roles and always part of our strategic plan to advocate for the physical therapist, right? So the physical therapist in this instance would be the uh, population. And we've been advocating so hard for us to make sure that people are being reimbursed for their services, make sure that patients aren't being cut off unnecessarily and the amount of visits they get for the care that they need. And so I think to really push us as physical therapists beyond that level of advocacy and really looking at how we practice as part of the system of advocacy that already exists or the policies and structures that exist is really that, I won't say last layer, but one of the deepest levels that still needs to be addressed in order to optimize care, right? So policies and procedures that exist 
So governmental policies, your facilities policies, those are the things that actually keep people in the positions that they are in their strata of even wellness, right? And so if we stop at the advocacy level of, well, let's make sure that we have enough therapists um, treating, we have enough um, money to actually pay for our bills and provide the services that we want, we still will be missing the boat on that which affects every single layer of the strata of the population that actually needs the most help, right? Because if you address those who are the unhealthiest, then you improve the health of everyone. And so in order to do that, you have to hit advocacy layers that address the, um, the population with which you're working with, which is really addressing those policies and or laws and structures. Now, switching gears uh, for a minute uh, to education, um, how are we preparing future physical therapists and physical therapist assistants in this area? Are, are there any um, incongruencies in education where the pieces could fit better to prepare people? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. So um, a group of us recently conducted a survey actually of US-based physical therapist programs to really understand uh, the delivery of population health, disease prevention, and health promotion content. Uh, and we learned that approximately 80% of programs are teaching population health content, so that's exciting. Um, but we also learned that significant differences um, do exist with regard to kind of the breadth and the depth of topics covered. Um, whereas some programs, the majority of programs probably introduce population health principles uh, at a relatively superficial level. Um, others are really diving more deeply uh, and leveraging things like case-based learning to encourage kind of really practical uh, applications of the material of, of these concepts that we're talking about. Um, I'll also share that uh, the mean number of hours devoted to any population health content whatsoever, again, thinking about that broad umbrella definition that we provided at the beginning, uh, the average, the mean number of hours uh, was about 10 hours over the course of, of programs uh, curricula. Um, with a range of about zero. So there are some programs that are not teaching any population health content to 60 hours. So quite a lot of variation uh, in terms of the number of hours uh, that include, again, a, a discussion or mention of population health. Um, and, and folks who completed the survey, again, these were program directors or folks overseeing the delivery of population health content, uh, reported barriers to including this content in their programs, um, including things like a lack of time, uh, lack of faculty knowledge and expertise was another key barrier that arose. Um, and then also a feeling of lack of support from maybe their other faculty colleagues or maybe the program or their institution. Um, and so in response, uh, Population Health Work Group within APTA's uh, Council for Health Promotion and Wellness is working really, really hard to better support educators in this space um, by identifying and disseminating strategies uh, to help integrate population health content uh, within existing curricula. And so really our, our perspective is that this doesn't have to be 
kind of something that's added on to curricula because we know <laughs> how full our, our curricula are. Um, and many programs are, are looking to shrink even further, you know, to help uh, address things like student debt and, and the timing. Um, and so again, really finding creative, innovative ways to kind of weave this content throughout existing um, courses, uh, we, we feel is, is kind of the best way because again, it brings a, a more practical nature, more practical feel uh, to the content as well. And that leads to my, my next question um, for you, Don, as well as uh, Anne. What are some of the ways that you both integrate um, population health into your, your um, teaching practice um, to address both the practical and philosophical aspects of population health? So, so I'll, I'll address the, the philosophical part, which I think you have to get the students to buy in first before you can go on to the practical. <laughs> so, um, so my philosophy from, uh, it's a, a public health saying, is start where the people are so that you don't uh, make assumptions about the population that you're intervening with. You actually have to do a needs assessment, an asset-based um, discovery of what's going on in that population so that you can come to a solution that works for that community or that population. So um, it's about using the resources that the community already has to strengthen what they need um, or, or to maybe to bring in something different. And then um, the other thing that I really stress is that it has to be sustainable. There's way too many examples of people going, uh, going in and, and doing something for a community one time and then they're gone. Um, so I really stress that we need to find examples or solutions that we can actually sustain over time so that the population gets the, the better benefit of them. And um, the, with this perspective, it's, it's kind of easier with APTA's mission and vision in that we're working at the improving the health of society. We wanna transform society. So that's, um, that I try to emphasize that in my philosophy of my approach to population health. And I would just add to that, we, we also start, not that students love starting here, but we, we start, you know, with more of a philosophical basis, kind of abstract, you know, theoretical basis to um, population health. And, and so we similarly draw on some of the APTA um, position statements, as well as our own mission and vision statements. And we encourage our students to really think about what is my value proposition in this population health space? What do I bring to the table that really helps advance and increase the health of our populations to reduce those known disparities and, and what value can I bring to that space? And, and to really understand that fully, then we kind of take it to the next step um, where students, and so the students, you know, kind of draft and really think and reflect on what is my value, again, in this space of transforming society, increasing the health of society. Um, from there, they do a more uh, kind of practical application of population health principles where uh, they're given kind of a mock um, set of electronic health data for uh, kind of this um, uh, made up clinic, I guess. And so really they, they use that data to uh, understand and describe the health of that data. And then they also think about, well, what are the factors that contribute to the health of 
these clients, this population. Um, and so this kind of goes back to some of our earlier conversations about advocacy. And so understanding, well, why is this individual sick? Why is this individual presenting with this certain health outcome? Um, maybe there are some individual health behaviors at play, but then why are those at play? We kind of ask the why game, like a four-year-old. Well, why is it that way? Why is it that way? Um, and inevitably, students start thinking about well, gosh, what is their family situation like? What is their community like? Do they have access to green spaces? Do they have access to healthy food? Maybe not. And that's now where we're starting to get into some of those social and structural determinants of health and maybe some of those historical policies that have influenced uh, the health of those communities. And so uh, again, the students kind of walk through starting with here's the health of this clinical population. Let's think about, you know, why, why are these health outcomes distributed the way that they are and what contributes to, to those differences and disparities? And so really then thinking about and identifying those multiple factors that influence the health of that population and then identifying, well, where can I as a therapist intervene? I can certainly provide clinical services, but maybe I can also advocate within the community. Maybe I can advocate for stronger um, social and structural policies. Um, and so again, those are just some examples of of a, a really more practical um, application of the material in our program. So, and then I would just add from very briefly that we are also educating PTs, right? So as an association, we recognize that the concept of population health is um, still abstract for many of us, right? So part of our role as the, the association is to start to work with those who are experts in the space of population health and the roles of physical therapists, which are our members, and start to provide resources in addition to the position statements that we have in place, right? So now how do we actuate those position statements? So bring them beyond the words that are on paper and actually educate the entire population. So our members have been instrumental in those efforts. We have already some resources that exist like toolkits for workforce um, population health. And now we are working um, with our members to, to expound upon the workforce population resources and how can we make this as straightforward as possible for our members. Thank you. Uh for students or even practicing PTs and PTAs who are interested in potential career options beyond the clinic or academia, are there career paths available to them to pursue? So I think that's a, a, an interesting question because it's, it's not like you're going to find a job um, listed in the, you know, wanted of, you know, physical therapist for population health. Um, you, you have to, again, look at the perspective that you can bring to an organization and then find the organization or the, or the group or the, um, you know, outside, look outside of health to all the other um, things that impact our determinants of health. And a lot of it is policy. So I, I've mentioned several times the city council, that is a wonderful place for physical therapists to get involved because of their perspective that they can bring to different um, 
uh, projects, you know, to maybe advocate for uh, when there's new construction to advocate for pedestrian based um, planning around that new construction so that it's not just about cars, it's about people walking and biking where they need to go. Um, it's about the green space that we need with new construction. So a, a physical therapist can really bring that perspective and the statistics about uh, the need for physical activity, the guidelines, the national guidelines that we have for physical activity and how those really play into um, planning, city planning uh, things that we do. So that I think that's one area that physical therapists are greatly needed. If I could, I would, I would add, um, you know, kind of thinking uh, in addition to our kind of broader, larger populations, if we think also about our clinical populations, I can't help but think about, um, you know, the passage of the Affordable Care Act. And so since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, there's been a lot of attention paid toward advancing the triple aim, which if folks aren't familiar with that, it, it really involves enhancing our clients' care experiences, um, reducing per capita healthcare costs, and the last one is improving population health. Um, and our own profession, as we've alluded to, our own professional mission really calls upon us to improve the health of society. And doing so will require a population-based approaches to care. Like, I just don't think there's any way around that. Um, and I, I think back um, to uh, this last year's uh, Educational Leadership Conference where Dr. Alan Jetty provided the keynote. And during his keynote, he, he promoted um, the idea that we must extend our skills beyond the delivery of, of individual level services and contribute toward improving the health of populations across the life course. Um, a growing, as I mentioned earlier, a growing number of clinicians, uh, clinic managers and administrators and researchers are successfully leveraging these population health principles to again, understand the health of their populations and inform the selections of interventions, practices and policies uh, that have, again, the best chance of improving the health of their population, increasing service efficiency, as we've talked about, um, and most importantly, reducing uh, known disparities. I would just add that you are, um, some of the pathways that we may see people going into, or if you want to search for a job that has a population health focus, include ones that were um, mentioned earlier and some additional ones. So some health systems already have population health work employed or implemented and are allowing or have physical therapists at the helm. So for Kaiser Permanente was mentioned by Don earlier as an example. So they actually have physical therapists within primary care, right? So primary care um, within a health system and even potentially outside it, the health system is another area of practice where you may be able to um, go into and get find yourself working on the streamlines of work within the healthcare system or facility that focuses on population health, um, in addition to doing something like working for a um, Home Depot or a Costco and looking at their warehouse em employees. And the other um, thing I wanted to add, um, so there are ways that you can serve um, that would constitute working in a space of population health. So serving on certain task forces that are, so for example, the President's Council, 
um, which focuses on youth and sports. So there, there might be, and they're looking at really raising the bar and being inclusive for children who aren't typically um, given access to that which we know keeps them healthy, which is good nutrition, physical activity, and education. Um, you can so you can serve on research research task forces that are working to um, mitigate health disparities. So that whether this is your paid job or if it's something that you volunteer on for a fixed period of time, those um, there are areas of service that actually are avenues to work in the space of population health as well. So for a physical therapist working in, in the clinic, what are some, some things that that individual therapist can do to advance population health? You know, often when, when people think of the term population health, I think a lot of folks that I talk to get really overwhelmed. They think, how am I just one person going to affect the health of an entire population? Um, and I think sometimes we perceive the population is like the world or something like that. And I think a really important first step is to understand what is your population. For a lot of folks, a lot of clinicians, it might be the clients that you see in your clinic. That is your population and that is just fine. That is your population. Um, again, I talked about um, population health being kind of accountable for the health outcomes of a defined population. That is your population. For some folks, maybe it's all of the patients, all of the clients receiving any sort of health service within a health system. And so again, with Kaiser Permanente, we think of all of the members um, who are using Kaiser Permanente Health Services. That's their population. As Annie has alluded to multiple times, maybe your population is the community in which you serve. And so a more geographically defined population. So it's whatever population, however you define that, it doesn't have to be the whole world. It doesn't have to be your whole state or your whole city. It might just be the folks that you're treating in your clinic. And so again, I think that's just a point I wanted to kind of raise that, that again, that population is, is whatever, however you define it. So many physical therapists, their population is their clinical population. And so if we're thinking about um, impacting uh, health disparities, look around in the clinic that you practice in and see if your, your practices is, uh, is culturally inclusive. For example, um, non-gender binary bathrooms. Do your patients, do all of your patients feel comfortable coming to your clinic and you know, not having to choose you know, which bathroom to go into. Um, do your health education materials, are they at an appropriate level for adequate health literacy so that we can bring the level of literacy down to that appropriate fifth grade level so that everyone can access the information that you're giving them? And, and look at your policies. Uh, do you have a, does your clinic have a policy where if someone misses you know, two appointments, they're just off the list and they're not treated there instead of really exploring why the person was late, why they couldn't get there. Was it because they take the bus and the bus schedule is different now? Um, really looking at um, your, your practices in your clinic to make sure that they're inclusive and not exclusive. So Anne, what's a final takeaway for the listeners? Yeah, um, so the, the APTA has a new initiative to promote physical activity, a, you know, some great public um, 
you know, announcements and, um, and that's kind of focused at the individual level. But if we really think about what physical therapists can do to promote physical activity at the population health level, we really have to, um, to, to do what, what Ellen Jetty in his keynote address said, you know, we have to advocate for, um, for greater access, greater um, policies, different policies, things that affect physical activity in populations and not just the, at the individual level. Um, so I think that's an important thing to really think about, you know, when, when that's what we do, we promote movement, we promote physical activity, but how else can we do that besides at the individual level, getting someone to exercise more? Thank you. Um, I'd just like to thank all of you for being here. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Don and Hadia for coming on today and sharing your expertise. It's been a very valuable and interesting discussion. For more resources and information on this topic, search APTA's website for population health. If you are a member interested in getting involved with the APTA Health Promotion and Wellness Council, you can learn more on APTA's website. To learn more about APTA's physical activity campaign and to view the PSA, visit choosept.com physical activity. For more APTA podcasts like this one, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit apta.org slash podcast. I'm Michelle Vanderhoff. Thanks for listening.